you can't pour from an empty cup. And I'm big on that. You can't pour from an empty cup. If your cup is empty, you're not, what you pouring? It's empty. What you giving? You don't have anything. You know, you're dry and you're trying to give somebody something from this dry cup. And what you're going to give them is a bunch of dryness. So if you want to give somebody your best, you've got to give yourself your best in order to even be able to give that to somebody else. So when you take care of you by prioritizing those things, is this relevant to me? It may not be. A lot of the stuff we deal with on a day-to-day is not relevant. Even in business, it's not going to make or break anything. You can move on. It's like getting that email that you know is spam, like instant delete. We are not telling you to quit your job. Here at Off The Clock, the Healthcare Entrepreneurs Podcast, we are teaching you exactly how to gain your freedom as a healthcare professional in places that school never taught you. This is OTC University and class is in session. Welcome to another edition of Off the Clock, the Healthcare Entrepreneurs Podcast. As always, I'm your co-host, Mr. Carlborn Jr., and I'm joined by my main man, Mr. Paulo Ching. Paul, say what's up to the people. What up to the people? What's up to everybody? Welcome to the number one healthcare podcast in America. Glad to be here. I love the sound of that. I love that. So, you guys know we love to bring you special guests, and of course, as always, This week is no exception. With that being said, we are very excited for this episode. We are very excited. We have our notes ready. We're excited to learn and provide you guys with some gems, you know, that'll get you over the hump in your business or your brand or whatever it is that you're struggling right now with. So with all that being said, I do want to go ahead and introduce our guest today. We have the lovely Miss Rashida Hatchett, who is a leadership coach, entrepreneur, author, and speaker. And she is a nurse turned nurse entrepreneur. So Miss Hatchett, Nurse Hatchett, thank you so much for joining us. How are you feeling? Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here, you guys. This is going to be great. I'm ready to talk to the people and tell them what's going on and how you go from bedside to boss. Oh, she kept, she coming in with the heat already. Okay, I like that. I like that energy. All right, so we like to be respectful of your time. I mean, obviously, you know, you're, 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 you're a busy lady. So with that being said, let's go ahead. Let's dive right into it. Right off the bat, tell us, why did you choose to pursue nursing? Oh, nursing is my calling. It's something that has always resonated with me. Um, it's something that really... I've always been a person who was really caring and wanted to take care of people. And that was just who I was by nature. Um, And so I started off in social work. I was a domestic violence advocate before I was a nurse. And um, I really, really wanted to get into healthcare. So I just started pursuing it and I started taking classes. You know, I was going to nights while I was working full time, going to school at night. And that just kind of snowballed. and so then I became a medical assistant for like a year. And I was like, okay, I just want to get my feet wet, see if I liked it. And then I said, nope, that's it. I'm going back to school. So I went back to school, um, did my prerequisites for nursing. From there, 
went on to get into the number one nursing school in the country. Shout out UW, let's go Huskies. Um, and then from there, became a nurse and then went back and got my master's degree at the University of Washington. So I just kept it going, but I love nursing. It's my, it's my absolute love. It's a great profession and it can take you anywhere you want to go. Um, nursing is one of those things that any place you see people, there are nurses. We work in corporate, we're in nonprofits, we're on the air, on podcasts, we're doing entrepreneurship kind of work. We are literally everywhere. So it's the most versatile profession that you could ever be a part of. And that was part of my draw as well. So, yeah. Okay. Um, so, you know, naturally, cause you mentioned, you know, bedside to boss, shout out to the episode yeah. title. Um, how did you then go from, you know, being a nurse to becoming a non nurse entrepreneur? Like what, you know, caused that shift? You know, like most nurses, I had um, a couple of situations where I just got really burnt out. I was working at a, um, one of the largest psychiatric hospitals in the country, and it was grueling. It was grueling. I was an educator there, so I was in leadership um, in that organization, and they were going through a lot of turmoil, and I started to have panic attacks. Like, on my way to work, there was a grocery store that was really close to the job, and I would stop there in the morning to get coffee, and one morning, I stopped, and I'm like, I'm shaking. I'm crying. I'm just totally like losing it in the car. And it was because we were working so much. We were working around the clock. Um, literally, we were working all three shifts. And when we went in, I didn't know if I was getting off that night. So it was one of those things that was like, I don't know if I'm here all night or if I'm gonna get to go home. And I literally got to call my husband and be like, you got to go get the baby. I am not coming home. And I just got tired. So that was the beginning, right? So I'm having these panic attacks and I'm like, I got to get out of here. So I quickly decided that I was going to take another job. So I moved, took a job in a clinic and just the way divine intervention works, my nurse manager at that clinic was like, Hey, um, I think you'd be really great at this contract program that our state has. You should look into it. Within 30 days, I had taken the class I needed to take, got my contract in order to contract with the state. And that was all she wrote on the beginning of my entrepreneurship journey. So that was the start. And then what I'm doing now is kind of the evolution of that start. So that's that's where it came from. I, it was born out of the struggle, like everything else though, right? Like, like everything else, I was in a dark, struggling place and something had to give. And I decided it wasn't going to be me. So I made the move. I took a pay cut to make the move. I didn't care. I was like, I'm out of here. Um, they went to the next place and I was there for just a couple months before I started my business and then that took off. So um, I left there. That was a toxic work environment as well. So it was just kind of one hit after the other. And I was just like, nope, I'm done. And I left. And uh, I've been an entrepreneur ever since. That was about three years ago now. So... Rashida, there's a lot of stuff that you got going on. Yeah. What I want to start with is the certified John Maxwell leadership coaching that you have going on. So what was, talk to us a little bit, what was your motivation behind pursuing that certification and how did that kind of influence and enhance your path to where you are today? 
So for me, I've always been in some kind of leadership role, even in positions where I was, you know, a student worker, I ended up being the lead something and training everybody else to, you know, do what we were doing in a way that was going to provide the best kind of customer service and all of that. So leadership for me um, was a natural sort of thing. And I overlooked it for a really long time because it came so natural to me. I just didn't even think about it being something that I was going to pursue doing as a, as a job. And I didn't know that as a business, I would be able to teach other people what I knew because I didn't think I knew anything. It just was who I was. So the John Maxwell leadership training kind of came in where I had gone to a conference and um, that conference was a leadership fellowship conference. We were split into teams and we, I was the leader of my team. I was voted the leader of my team by the team. And so I had to lead them through this project that we were doing in Jamaica. So this was an international project where we were collecting supplies. We took those supplies with us to Jamaica to give to the hospitals that we were going to go visit and the schools that we were going to. And then it was happening during um, Suicide Awareness Month. So we had to create like a commercial and we had to also create a campaign around that. So the team that won that, there were some perks. So my team won. Um, so shout out to Team Believe. You guys will be watching. Shout out to you guys. So we won in Jamaica last year, 2019 for this fellowship. And that was a part of what I won. I won this John Maxwell Leadership Coaching training session where um, I was supposed to go to Florida and then pandemic came. So we ended up doing it virtually here. Um, so that's how that came about. It just kind of fell all into place. And so I had decided that I was going to start teaching people what I knew and what came naturally to me. And then the John Maxwell opportunity came and it just enhanced, you know, what I was already doing. Um, you know, I, because I'm a John Maxwell fan. I, I swear I consume their podcast. But the reason why I bring that up is because, you know, he's uniquely qualified in the in the area of leadership. Yeah. And I think for a lot of people, especially entrepreneurs, what many people, I'm going to say, fail to realize is the lack of self-awareness about their own strengths. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I know they're super, super big about figuring out what you're good at, you know, the 80% leaving the other 20%. So, um, you know, it, from your perspective, when it comes to nurse entrepreneurs, when it comes to entrepreneurs in healthcare, healthcare people that want to be entrepreneurs elsewhere, how important is it for them to take, you know, that time? And then how would you even suggest if somebody doesn't have access to John Maxwell coaching program, right? What would you suggest for them to do to, you know, take those first steps to figure out, okay, this is what I'm actually naturally good at and let me hone in on that skill. Well, you know, I think the easiest and the path of least resistance to do that is to ask the people around you, survey your friends, your family, ask them, what is it that you believe I'm best at? They know what you're good at. You know, they, they absolutely know what you're good at. So my friends they call me for every, they're like, you're like US West Dex. I'm aging myself. So that's like, that was like when phone books were a thing and you could actually like look in the phone book and find information. They would be like, that's you. You're like an encyclopedia. So my friends call me before they Google still to this day. Right. So they're always like, you're just this wealth of knowledge. So when you ask your friends, you know, what is it that, that you are, that I'm the go-to for? What do you see in me? 
your friends, your family, they're going to be honest. They're going to tell you the things that you're really great at. So that's like the free, easy way to start, right? So that's totally free. It's not going to cost you anything. Start there. Oftentimes we overlook our own genius zone. I overlooked my genius zone for a really long time. I really did. Um, I'm a resilience expert and I overlooked it. I was teaching it and didn't even think about it in relation to what I had learned over my own life and how I had powered through so many really difficult situations in life. And so then I coupled that with leadership and it turned into this blossoming thing that I absolutely love and I'm in love with. But, you know, people have to really take the time to hone in on what you're good at. Start making lists of the things you like to do. Start making lists of everything a supervisor said to you when they complimented you in a review, when they gave you, you know, that on the fly compliment, write those things down. They will add up to something and they'll point you in the direction of your genius zone. And that's where you're really going to start moving and clicking. So Rashida, you, you brought up, um, you brought up the, the notion of resilience. Absolutely. And as we know, you also teach organizational resilience. Yeah. So to, before we even really dive into that, just for you know, people who've never heard of that before, could you break that down for us? What, what, is, organization, what is organizational resilience? Organizational resilience is really an organization that has planned for, really meticulously planned for adversity so that when it comes, they don't break, they don't bend, they don't fold. Not just because they plan for it, but because they're really steadfast in their belief in their team and what they've poured into the people that work for them so they know that they're going to make it to the other side of this. So that's really what that's about. It really encompasses what your leadership looks like how you make up your teams, what your culture looks like, right? We're looking at how do your policies and procedures line up with your mission, your vision, your values? Is all of that stuff in alignment? Because if it's off, we're going to have an issue, right? And so we're looking at your environment. What does your environment say? Do people want to come to work here? Is it dirty, dingy, and stanky? So all of those things are things that help your team to decide, one, is this a place where I want to work? Two, is this the place where I'm going to continue to work? And then three, is this the place where I'm getting the heck up out of here? So that's what organizational resilience really brings all of those pieces together so that you can create a team that's not just surviving through things, but they're thriving through things. You know, that key distinction um, really sticks out to me, especially I can, you know, speak on our front when we have our team, you know, even with the podcast. And I think that's one of the things that over time we've come to realize that you have to be able to build one that molds and grows and it's, and they're excited. Like shout out to our team, by the way, they're always excited and really hype, but we also make sure that we take care of them. We also make sure that we show up, you know, do you find that there tends to be like a common theme to the kind of adversities a lot of organizations face, or is it just like each one is unique? You know, I think there's always some uniqueness to the adversities that you see in an organization. There's some of them that are going to be unique to the type of organization that you're working in. And then there's others that are really common. So, you know, your common things are things like that breakdown in communication from leadership to the team. 
those are common things that we see on you know consistent basis we hear people talk about it every day right then there's conflicts that happen amongst your team how those things are handled we also have stuff like when we're tolerating really really how i say this nicely really poor employees we're tolerating that behavior nothing will ruin a team quicker than them watching you tolerate some people who ain't working they're not doing anything, they're not pulling their weight, and they're just kind of hanging out all day. Nothing will kill your team faster than that. So we see a lot of that. We see a lot of lack of appreciation where your team just doesn't feel appreciated. They're, they're coming to work, they're giving you everything, they're working for the mission, they're working for these values, they're trying to give everything they have, and they're not getting anything back. So those are some pretty common things that I see when we start talking about how do we build a team that wins? What does that look like? How do we create leadership that's resilience-based, that is really steeped in resilience? It's steeped in what those tenets of resilience really look like so that you create a culture of resilience. And that's my ultimate goal, is that these organizations that I'm working with create a culture of resilience. And they do that by aligning all parts of their business to be resilient. I love that. I love that so much because I think I think companies often overlook the importance of being oh, able yeah. to have that synergy, you know, and, and I think that resilience piece is just so dope because I, I this is my first time hearing about this. I didn't know that this was a thing. Um, so this is one of the things that me and Paul always enjoy is learning these new terms and, and these new uh, concepts that we didn't know about before. I want to, I want to kind of harper on that a little bit more. Yeah. And I want to ask you in terms of, in terms of yourself and in terms of the, the goals and the, the milestones that you set after to accomplish, what does it look like being able to keep yourself in check and be able to keep yourself level in terms of having resilience and being, you know, an advocate of, okay, I talk the talk, I got to walk the walk too. Yeah. I love that question um, because it really is a personal journey, right? So when I teach it, I also teach personal resilience. That's a part of the course is you need to be personally resilient in order for you to be able to be on a team that's resilient and then to be a part of an organization that's resilient. If you've got folks who are walking around and they lack optimism, they lack positivity, they lack connectedness, it's going to be a problem because those are really big parts of how you create resilience. So for me, a lot of it is really being self-aware. I'm huge on self-awareness. You got to know what makes you tick. You got to know what you really hate. You got to know what you really love. You got to know what brings you joy. Once you figure those things out, then you get to do what I call my four R's of resilience. And my first one is you really get to make sure that you decide whether or not something is relevant. If it is not relevant, then you don't have to waste time on it. But if you don't learn how to prioritize these things, and you don't know whether it's relevant or not, you're going to find yourself wasting time and putting energy into spaces that just does not require your energy. So I'm huge on making sure that you really understand 
the relevance of the situation, whether or not it's something you need to be dealing with, put that in a box. If you don't need to deal with it, delegate it. Or it could be something that nobody needs to deal with and we just need to keep it moving. So making sure that I stay grounded in those, you know, I stay grounded in really understanding, is this relevant? What's the reason for this going on? What's the reason for this happening? What's my reaction like? You know, how am I reacting to this? What does that look like? right? And then what's my responsibility to myself? So those are my four R's of keeping resilience, you know, at the forefront. So I make sure that I'm aware of those things. And in every situation, I'm ticking that off. What's the relevance? What's the reason this is happening, right? And I'm going down that line. I'm going down all, all, all of them till I get to what's my responsibility. That's the last kind of boil down thing. What am I responsible for, for this? Because first and foremost, I'm responsible for taking care of myself. So let me make sure I do that by being self-aware, regulating myself really well. And then now I can deal with what's my responsibility to the rest of the people that are on this team or that are working on this project. And then I can give to them because I've taken care of myself. I brought myself back down to zero if that needs to happen. And then I'm able to say, okay, this is what I'm able to give you so that we can move forward. Man, okay. Yeah, I've never, I've never even thought about it like that. Usually, you know, I think for a lot of people, there tends to be this common theme where just like, I'm just going to keep pouring, 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 pouring until you're empty. And then you start asking, all right, well, <laughs> now what am I responsible for? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and you can't pour from an empty cup. And I'm big on that. You can't pour from an empty cup. If your cup is empty, you're not, what you pouring? It's empty. What you giving? You don't have anything. You know, you're dry and you're trying to give somebody something from this dry cup. And what you're going to give them is a bunch of dryness. So if you want to give somebody your best, you've got to give yourself your best in order to even be able to give that to somebody else. So when you take care of you by prioritizing those things, is this relevant to me? It may not be. A lot of the stuff we deal with on a day-to-day -day is not relevant. Even in business, it's not going to make or break anything. You can move on. It's like getting that email that you know is spam, like instant delete, just instantly get it out of there. And if you continue to practice that, it makes life a lot easier. It makes business easier. It makes things a little bit different. The way you react to your team is different. The way you react to your colleagues is different because you're not coming from this heightened place. You're coming from a place of, yeah, that's not even relevant. We could keep it moving. So I have to ask, um, you know, like, especially, you know, I've heard it from the side of, okay, I can identify what is relevant to me. I can identify what I need to do. I can identify what I'm responsible, responsible for, mm -hmm. but let's kind of move into the team aspect, right. And the yeah. business aspect, um, especially. So number one thing I had to learn was that I don't need to do everything. Mm. Right. We, we learned that one. I don't need, cause I'm a, I don't know if you've ever done the disc assessment, but I'm like, what's a high D, right? I'm just, mm -hmm. I need to be in charge. I need to be running the things. I need to get it done and I need to get it done now. So that's yeah. something I had to kind of go through and understand that when the team works, everybody has their own different, you know, thing to bring to the table. But right. when dealing with, you know, this, um, the four R's from the aspect of working with the team, because I know so many people out there, like they show up to work and they're like, bro, I hate my coworkers because, you know, for any amount of reasons. So how do you then coach them in the team aspect, especially those entrepreneurs who are trying to 
take care of their baby and like, you know, hold their business close to them. How do you get them to kind of go through this four R's with their business so that they can actually do what actually needs to be done and what matters and leave the rest to, you know, like you said, delegate it to somebody else or um, just let it go because it doesn't matter. Well, I think the big thing is, is, is being mindful of it, right? Like you can't change what you aren't looking out for. You can't, you can't fix what you don't see. And so that's the first thing is, is do you prioritize things as they come in? Or are you really just trying to do everything? And if you're trying to do everything, we kind of need to unpack why. Do you not have a team? Are you, because, you know, if you're a solopreneur, you're a, you're a one person show. You might be a one woman, one man show. But what does that look like? And what can you move off the table? If you're in an organization and you're looking at, okay, I'm trying to get this resilience thing going. And there's people around me that, you know, are just, they're negative, right? You've got this, these negative people on the team. They're not necessarily wanting to be that cohesive team. They just want to be coworkers. And I think we have to be real clear about there being a big difference. You know, a team works together. Coworkers are a bunch of siloed people doing their own thing, doing their own stuff. And then somebody else has to pull together all of those pieces to make it work and which makes it really hard on leadership. So you got to decide what you're working with, right? If you're working with just coworkers, you one person aren't necessarily going to be able to change what's going on. You're going to be able to change the way you react. So what is relevant to you, right? What is your response, the reason for these things happening? What's your response to these things happening? And then what's your responsibility? You can just go through those things easy peasy on your own and decide, I'm going to farm this out. This doesn't need to be dealt with. And this issue that I may be having with this other person is not something that's going to get resolved right here. So we got to table that. So you can do it individually. And so the people that I coach individually, they're working through a lot of those things where I'm not in their organization, helping their organization move forward. I'm working with them specifically. And they're like, help me figure this out. So a lot of that is just really unpacking who they are and whether or not they're actually really self-aware. Like, do you really know how this is affecting you? Have you really checked what your body is doing? You know, you're talking to this person, are your jaws clenched? Are your shoulders tight? You know, what does that look like for you regulating yourself so that you can go back to being able to put in those four R's into place? Because once you get out of alignment with that, you're liable to just go rogue and going rogue is always going to get you in this place of, I hate everything. I hate this place. But when you get back into alignment with those four R's, you really get to decide that this place, it's not about this place. It's really about me and the way that I react and the way that I take this in. And I don't have to take in everything and I don't have to do everything. So Rashida, we like to be able to provide our guests with a blueprint in a way to be able to duplicate what our guests are doing. And yeah. so a question that I want to ask you just for anyone, you know, who is, is listening and they're loving what you're saying. They're like, that sounds like something I need to be doing. Talk to us a little bit about what it looks like to get into this industry, you know, and become certified as a leadership coach and as a resilience coach. And then once you answer that, talk to us a little bit about the different types of things you can do with that skill to kind of monetize it as well. 
So I think getting into leadership coaching, one, um, it's something that you have to have a passion for. So you've got to have a passion for people, not for the customer, right? The people on your team need to have the passion for the customer. You as a leader and as a leadership coach, you've got to have a passion for the team. You've got to see every email that you send, every meeting that you sit through as a way to make sure that your team is good and they're able to feed their families and do their jobs well. So that's the first thing is really checking to see, do you have that passion? Is leadership something that you absolutely love and want to change? You know, are you a boat rocker? I'm a whole entire boat rocker. There's a lot of stuff you're not going to get me to do because I don't believe it's right. And so you got to have that real strong strength of character to, you know, be able to say it though. Not that everyone doesn't have a strong sense of character, but you got to be able to raise your hand in the meeting and say, I, I don't think we can do that. That doesn't sound like that's something that's going to be, you know, productive. So you want to make sure first it's your passion. And once you decide that leadership is my passion, then it's really seeking out opportunities for you to hone that skill. So for me, it was John Maxwell leadership training that just kind of rounded out everything that I already knew. And then you're really taking what you know and putting it all down on paper and deciding that you're going to teach this to somebody, you know, um, I taught resilience to single um, pregnant moms that I was working with, right? That was where I first started teaching resilience was in a program called Nurse Family Partnership. I was a community health nurse working with first-time moms who were um, usually in their teens. And we started working with resilience because we were doing their ACEs score. And for those of you guys who don't know what ACEs is, it's adverse childhood experiences that happen before you turn 18. Things like having an incarcerated parent, a drug addicted or alcohol addicted parent, having a parent pass away, um, sexual abuse, domestic violence, those kinds of things. So they would do this ACEs score and then you would have to come in with the resilience to say that's how you're going to get through all of this trauma that's happened to you is by increasing these resilience factors. So that's where I started teaching resilience. As I started doing that, I started teaching it with my family. I'm like, you guys, look, this thing is gold. Like we're going to do this test and then I'm going to pull out these cards and I'm going to show you all of the wonderful things you have inside of you that are going to help you make it through life. So I just started doing this over and over and over again. There wasn't any real resilience expert training that was out there. It was just something that I started doing. And then I did get some training at the um, National Wellness Institute. I'm a resilience and thriving uh, certified facilitator for them. But that was kind of an afterthought. I already had in me what that was, my own personal experience. And then I coupled that with, you know, my genius zone. So I think for people... Sometimes we get really caught in having all these certifications and you need to get certified in this and, you know, certified in that. And uh, most, the most thing that people are looking for from you when they're wanting to connect with you is you. They want your story. They want to know how you got to where you got. They want to know how you got through what you got through. They want to know how you made it to the other side of this bad thing or this you know, traumatic life experience. So for me, it was connecting with people on that level. And then, of course, being a nurse, having a master's degree, have done some training. None of that harms you. It all helped. But what people really look for for me is me. They want to know my secret sauce. How did I get through what I got through? 
So I say to somebody else who's wanting to take what they know, they want to take potentially leadership and resilience and put those together and make it something, I would say to you, get real clear on what you're adding to somebody else's life. Because truthfully, there's someone out there waiting for you to start. There's somebody out there waiting for you to open your doors and say, I'm going to teach you what I know and I'm going to show you how I made it through and how I got through this bad thing. So take what you know, take what comes natural to you, put that together and that's your business. And for most of us that are coaching, speaking, writing, that's our business. I coach, speak and write. My business is taking my personal experience, my genius zone, I mix them together and voila magic, that's the way it goes. And it's the same for everyone. Um, if you are wanting to do this on a full-time basis and you've got something that's burning in you, walk in your purpose, whatever that is, walk in it. When it comes to walking in your purpose, I think so many people are aware of what their purpose is, mm -hmm. but yet fear to embrace it. Yeah. Okay. So how would you go about somebody comes up to you, right? I, I, personally, I don't understand why people can never just embrace who they are. But somebody comes up to you and says, hey, like, I'm struggling with being able to walk in my purpose. Yeah. How do you actually tell them, like, okay, this is what you need to do to get there? What things, what identifiers do they need to be able to say that's going to help me get to, like, where I need to be? Well, the first thing I want to know is what you're afraid of, right? So that's the first question that I have is, if you're not doing it, tell me why. Tell me more about why you're not walking in your purpose. If you know what it is, you know what it is, you know what you really know what is tugging at you. It is pulling at you. It, every single day you wake up and you want to do this thing. Tell me why you're not doing it. That's my first question. It's always my first question is because people know. They know why they're not doing it. They know what it is. And then it's usually the same thing for everybody. You guys ready? <clears throat> negative self-talk, you believe some really ridiculous things about yourself based on your childhood, based on what somebody told you, based on that whack teacher that said you were never going to make it, whatever that is, you believe those things about yourself. And so I say for every negative belief that you have about yourself, you need to actively go and look for a positive affirmation to combat that negative thing. And you speak that thing to yourself every day you put it on your phone. Every time you think, again, that you can't do it, you go back to that. You put sticky notes wherever you put them. Every time you look up, you go back to that positive affirmation. You have to first practice speaking life to yourself if you're ever going to get to the place of being able to walk in your purpose and pouring into someone else. Because that someone else who's looking for you, they're looking for you, but you have to be ready for what they're looking for, which is how did you get past this point? The other piece to that is that mindset shift is not finite. It's not a destination. This is a every single day work in progress. You hear millionaires and billionaires say that they've had to shift their mindset because once they got to a certain place in business, that imposter syndrome, that negative self-talk came back. They mastered one side of it to be able to get to where they're at. But then as they got more successful, the negative comments in their mind, they just changed. They just shifted 
to another topic. And so again, you're continuing to go back through that again, find those positive affirmations that combat that fear or whatever that negative is. And you feed that to yourself every day, every minute, bathroom breaks at work when you feel like I don't know if I could do this anymore you go in there and you read them to yourself and you repeat them and repeat them and repeat them and repeat them until you get to the place of knowing that you are who your tribe is looking for and you're ready to continue to step out and to continue to build you will only go so far as your personal capacity so if you don't work on that personal capacity your business is only going to go but so far because your mind has to be in a place that says i'm open to this i'm welcoming this i accept this this is for me i deserve this and i'm going to do good with it when i get it that's powerful right there you know what's so funny about life is things always come back full circle yeah when I say that, what I mean is me and Paul had a conversation some, some time back and the conversation was in regards to how much we were going to charge for our services. And <laughs> Paul, Paul asked me what I thought and I gave him a number and then he gave me a number that was significantly higher than what I was thinking and I kind of, right, you know, I kind of had to do a double take on my phone. And then he sent me, cause we were a part of this mastermind. So he sent me a quote from that mastermind and essentially the, the gist of it was that before you can become wealthy, before you can get to the riches that you want to get to, you have to first see yourself as deserving of it. And so yeah. as soon as I read that, I was like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's just funny how things come full circle, you know, hearing hearing you say that. So we, we, we talked about quite a lot so far. I want to shift into this because I would be, I would get in some trouble if I didn't uh, shift to this this conversation. My, my girl is a nurse. Okay. And so we want to ask well I should say I want to ask for for her and for other nurses out there because I know you speak as well you know I know that I, I saw one of the speaking topics that you have is the the thriving health hero yeah and so one of the things you also said when we first got on you know is bedside to boss yeah which I love because she is currently bedside in the ICU mm. And I think not just her, but I think a lot of uh, a lot of new nurses or maybe nurses in general, you'd know better than me, but they have this idea, you know, where they have this interest to do more. But then again, that that imposter syndrome creeps in like, well, there's nurses that know way more than me and they're not doing that stuff. I don't even know where to start. Mm -hmm. um, I don't even know if if I can do something else. So the question I have for you is what would be the message that you have for new grad nurses or not just new grad nurses, nurses in general who have a desire to do more and be more than being at the bedside or whatever uh, respected, you know, part of nursing that they're in. 
and they just don't know where to even start or how to even get that idea off of the ground. Talk to us a little bit about how you kind of coach your nurses through that uh, thriving health hero concept that you have. So the biggest thing for me on that is once you've got an idea, like you get that spark, you get that fire, you get that, that bug that's like, oh, I could do so much here. There's a gap. There's a gap here. There's so much that either I wasn't taught before I came in that I didn't know before I got here and I could show somebody else, right? So if you're staying in the nursing profession and you feel like I have something to offer other ICU nurses, and by the way, shout out to your girl. Thank you for what you do. The ICU was a rough place to nurse. So thank you for what you do. Um, So if you are in this place of, I know that there's something, I know there's something, I'm not exactly sure what it is. That's where you can make a couple of decisions. One, you can keep fighting through it on your own, or you can get a coach like I did. I got a coach to say, I don't exactly know what I want to do. I don't exactly know how I'm going to do this. I know that there's more for me, but I can't really pinpoint exactly what that is. And a coach is going to help you to kind of pull, pull a lot of that out of you. So that was the first thing that I did that was a true game changer for me was that I got a coach. I needed somebody else to one, show me that this was possible, right? In the sphere of nursing, that nurses are actually out here bossing up and running businesses and doing things that are totally different from what we think we're supposed to be doing. And once I did that, that was the game changer. So I would say first step, if you know what you want to do, then start to research your target market, start to research what's out there that looks like what you want to do, what's already there. If there's nothing and you can't find anything, then we kind of might need to reevaluate whether or not this is going to be something that people are going to pay for. Are you going to have to put something else with it? What are you going to have to do in order to bag it up and for it to really solve somebody's expensive problem? Because that's what people pay for. They pay for solving expensive problems, right? So for me as a leadership coach, uh, women, nurses, they pay me because they're not able to excel in their job. They're not able to get promoted. They're trying to figure out how to find their voice. And that's usually why they're not getting those things because they haven't found their authentic voice yet. They're not comfortable um, in a role where they're able to really say, listen, this is how I think, feel about this. This is how this aligns here. So I help them work through that piece of it right? So gaining that confidence, becoming that organizational asset, because you are able to articulate what you do. And there's a lot of power in that. Men, sorry guys, men are really good at it. They're really much better at it than women are. We just kind of do, 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 and we're going, going, going. And then when somebody says, well, what are you doing? What's it worth? You're like, I do it for free. No, no, we're not doing nothing for free, right? Men are much better at, at saying, oh no, this $10,000, right? And, and without, without equivocation, right? This $10,000, thank you, please, thank you. This is what I do. This is, this is the result that I bring. This is the asset that I am. This is what I've done over the last 12 months since I've been here. This is how much money I saved you, dot, 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 dot. Women were not as good at it. So I coach women to do that. So when you're in a place where you're trying to figure out what am I going to do, the first thing is to decide whether or not you're already at a place where you're ready to go or if you need some help. And if you need some help, get a coach. Find a coach that's in your sphere, that's doing 
what you want to do or they are teaching people how to do what you want to do and then sit with that person and really go through what it is that you're wanting to get accomplished and what you want to do researching that target market, finding that expensive problem that they have, and then using your expertise to solve it. When it comes to the novice nurse and kind of a new nurse, um, I would say this, we're all an expert at something. We all have a genius zone somewhere. Take that and run with it. Take that and bottle that thing up and use that for it to become this thriving business that you want to have. And if you want to do a business that's in something else, like you've got a service-based business where you or you're selling clothes, makeup, whatever that is, there are a ton of resources out there. You just have to get connected. One of the biggest, freest places to get connected is on Facebook and LinkedIn, places like that. Connect in, ask people what groups they're in, find other entrepreneurs, and they will tell you, I'm in like 100 groups on Facebook. A lot of the same people are in those groups, but those groups are where you get your fuel from, right? These are other people who are doing what you want to do. They're pouring into you. They're answering questions. People will answer all kinds of questions you have if you just ask, but you have to be in the right room and know who to ask. So if you're looking for that, um, certainly I'm a resource for, you know, any nurses who are trying to figure out where they can find other nurses who are in entrepreneurship, DM me, Rashida Hatchet Media. I am on Facebook. I'm on LinkedIn that way. DM me and I will give you the names and, um, and information for all of the groups that have nurse entrepreneurs in them so that you can tap in to that environment. You got to be in the place where you want to be. Even if you know your dream business is two years, three years out, you need to be in rooms where people are doing this so that you can get that energy. You need that energy. You need that camaraderie. So I would say that's it. You know, get in spaces where there are other people, find a coach if you're ready to go and uh, keep moving forward. Shout out to all our nurses. We love y'all. We appreciate y'all. Of course, of course. So let me, let me say this was such a blast. It really was like, thank you for making the time. You know, we, we can't say that enough. We're truly humbled and grateful that you decided to, you know, bless us with your presence and, and drop the gems that you dropped today. So before we let you go, I know you kind of did it a little bit just now, but for anyone, you know, who is listening and this is their first time coming into exposure with you and they're interested in reaching out, you know, what would be some social media or some contact information that you would leave? And also, before we let you go, tell them where they could find your books as well. Sure. So I am on Instagram and Facebook as uh, at Rashida Hatchet Media. You can find me on my website at RashidaHatchetMedia.com. And I'm on LinkedIn. You just search my name, Rashida Hatchet, and I will come up there on LinkedIn. So you can find me on all of those platforms. So my books, I am a two-time going on four-time author. I have another anthology that's going to be coming out um, probably in a few days. And then another one that I'm doing that's coming out in April. But my first one, um, is called uh, Living Large, A Nurse's Journey Toward Resilience. This one is available on 
Amazon. Um, and you can go in, if you type in my name, my books will come up. I just recently published my um, second book, which is The Power of Organizational Resilience, How to Retain Talent and Increase Your Bottom Line. And that book is targeted toward leaders in organizations who are looking to really up-level their leadership and take their organizations to the next level and really build that resilient culture. So um, that is also, again, available on Amazon. So you can head over there, purchase any of my books. So, um, you know, get some good reading in. It is uh, some great stories. They've got some great stories in the anthology. It's myself and 30 other nurses um, who are in on the Living Large, a nurse's journey toward resilience. So um, get your copy. It is a good read. It's a great read for any nurses who are looking to get into business. Most of us are in here talking about our entrepreneurship journey. And so you've got 30 collective stories and contact information and contact information for all of the nurses that are in this anthology um, so that you can connect with them if they're doing what you want to be doing. This is like the nurse entrepreneurship Bible. So if they're doing what you want to be doing, um, they're in here and you can look them up and take all of their information. And, you know, most of us are so willing to get a DM and, and to help another nurse along or culture along. So yeah, go and grab a copy. Hey, speaking of uh, contact information, listen, we here at the Clock are not just only a DM away, but we are a text message away. So to our listeners, listen. First of all, y'all know the number, 321-384-6275. You can get the shirts. Carl has the black one. I have the white one. We have the gray one. We can customize it. You know the you know, you know the deal. Um, as well as you can be able to join our circle. Listen, we have exclusive only to our texting members. The gear of the month. You get um, some discounts for everything we do. Get to have access to the people that we're talking to, people that we're trying to help. We're trying to help you get to that next level and become entrepreneurs. So you got to text us 321-384-6275 to get into the know-how. Be off the clock, but be a boss. Yes. Yes, sir. With that being said, to our lovely listeners, we love y'all. We appreciate y'all for rocking with us. If you got some value from this episode, which I know y'all did, Please reach out to Rashida. Tell her how dope this episode was. Tell her how much you appreciate her coming on and dropping some gems. Don't forget, along with texting us, if you are just now coming on to the podcast, this is your first time listening, welcome to OTC University. Make sure you go ahead and follow us on IG. That's at OTC University. And also, don't forget to subscribe, share, and leave us a five-star review. We'll greatly appreciate it. Until next time, we appreciate you. Peace. Many blessings. Thank you for listening to another episode of Off the Clock. Don't be shy to leave a review and subscribe to the podcast. See you next episode.